What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Philly Blitz podcast. We are back. Burt's football is almost back. I'm Parth. I'm here with Pierre and Quell. How y'all doing today? Doing good, man. Doing good, man. Excited to – where were we? A week out? Two weeks out from training camp? Just about. Yeah. Excited, man. Finally. Release the Kelly Green, god damn it. It's like, why is it taking we so long? We are growing impatient. Did y'all see the tweet? The tweet they put out with the blue and yellow uniforms. They definitely knew what they were doing. Oh, I saw. I saw yeah, they posted the video too. They posted like mm-hmm. this like throwback video and everything. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't fully the watch explanation it. of the logo. So what I will tell you is, you know, the Eagles are known for a couple things, right? You know, like winning the Super Bowl in 2017, Kelly Green uniforms, and winning the Doriel Green Beckham trade. Shout out Howie Roseman, man. Traded Dennis Kelly or DGB, who I thought was going to be the truth at the time. I really thought we were getting Megatron, bro. Like, I was I was 110% in. Um, but we brought him back. We got Dennis Kelly back, which is really funny. Kind of, you know, closing the circle up a little bit. But, uh, you know, we got a good depth, a line piece. Um, but we won the trade. And that's what matters. Howie Roseman is continuing to be undefeated. We're not going to acknowledge anything that happened before 2020, but um, Howie Roseman is undefeated. Wow. We did not get Megatron in that deal. We definitely got a Decepticon because he deceived <laughs> all of us. Oh, my God. All. It was thievery, bro. That wide receiver crew, like, you look back at those days and you look at now, like, we had DGB and Josh Huff, and I was like, yo, right, Jordan, Jordan Matthews. Matthews. And Jordan Matthews with the fucking money. <laughs> Sorry. With the, Ooh, with the tie the celebration. <laughs> oh, my God, bro. I couldn't do it. Vanderbilt's <laughs> finest. That that <laughs> highlight tape you posted was cold, though. I was about it. I was like, shout out Jordan, man. You had some great moments. Really great moments, man. Really great moments. I remember I was I thought he was gonna be the truth, man. Chip Kelly wanted to use a second round pick on him. I'm like, okay. Well that first year, I mean, he was he was producing. There was no question about it. He was he was out there. What's your favorite what's your favorite Jordan Matthews moment? That catch against Dallas to win the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta be. I was in college at the time, man. And when I tell you I lost my cap, I lost my cap. I was glued to in front of the TV. And all my boys, they were sick and tired of watching the game at this point because it was basically about overtime. And they're like, we about to go outside. And I'm like, just give me a moment. I just got to see the rest of this game. And the moment I seen him catch that pass and run free into the end zone, I lost it, man. It was like a weight was lifted off my shoulder. Dude, yeah. Jordan Matthews was so consistent. Like, anytime you needed a first down, that dude was there. Like, those those couple years, the Jordan Matthews years were, were golden. The the big slot was undefeated and elite. All right. So, shout out Jordan Matthews, man. If, if we had – the issue you was – that Chip Kelly? No, never. Um, maybe you, not me and Pierre. All right. Like, you, you got your couple things where I just – I can't back it up, man. I really try. I try. I'm like, 
my boy. Like, that's my brother. I got to look out for him. But, like, some of the things you say, man, I got to just, you know, I distance myself. Chip Kelly, Jonathan Gannon, I'm distancing oh, myself. Wait, 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 wait. We, we, we've abandoned the Gannon bandwagon. I just said that he wasn't as bad as y'all criticized. No, he was just as bad. He was, he was terrible. Maybe worse. He was maybe worse. The Super Bowl, he was terrible. If y'all want that to be his final memory, then I can respect it. Otherwise, it I was mean, the culmination of his memories. Yeah. It was everything I said, all your quell. Like, brother, I can't tell you how much I like being right. It's like my favorite thing in the world, honestly. Like, to, to, like it's a flaw of mine, how much I like being right. And I have never wanted to be more wrong than I was about Jonathan Gannon. My God. Your defensive units are horrible. I can't wait to watch you crash and burn in Arizona. I hate you, Jonathan Gannon, but we're going to move on. All right. We're going to, you know, it's about growth. All right. And I'm showing growth unlike CJGJ. All right. Who I have. Segway. The Segway. I have his jersey in my closet, dog. And I'm just like, you're disgusting me, bro. Like, I'm I'm sorry you got paid less than Marcus Epps, but stop being salty. All right, you should have just taken the damn deal and stop being so mad about everything. It's not Philadelphia fans are so obnoxious. Like, buddy, you're in I feel like I feel like he just feels that way because they stole his car. Honestly, that has to be why. But that was that wasn't even Philly fans. He's just saying that because he didn't get paid and he's mad because people are active on Twitter. If he had said something about the car and been like, the city of Philadelphia stole my car, understood. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, we, we have our flaws, all right? You can say there are charms or our warts as well. But this whole, their fans are so obnoxious. Like, all right, buddy, you were you were all about how great the fans were all season, and now we're too obnoxious. Relax, all right? You're the one who's obnoxious. And I'm saying this as a Gator fan. Like, dude, this was my favorite player, dog. When he was in college, that was my guy. And it's just like, why did it have to end this way? He just, but this was always his issue too. Like, I mean, he just thinks he's a lot better than he is. He has a potential to be, but he didn't produce at that level. And, you know, you're entitled to feel that way, but like, stop taking that out on the city, man. You got a good deal. You didn't take it. And they moved on. I don't know what to tell you. It wasn't a good deal. It was a fine deal for where he produced that. Well, I mean, is he going to get 13 million like it was Jesse not a Bates? Fine deal for where he produced that. Huh? It was not a fine deal for where he produced. What do you mean? He had no guaranteed money. He had little to no guarantee. He got more guaranteed money in this one year alone with Detroit than the first two years of that contract was going to pay him. And the third year was where all of the guaranteed money was. But we all know he wasn't going to see the money on that third year because how he was going to restructure that. So he was going to look if there's one thing. Well, I mean, you can say that. But if there's one thing, it's that if. You are a team player, and you try to do your thing for the team. How he's going to look out for you? We yeah. said it; it was to a flaw before. So I'm not going to buy that, quite honestly. Like you if you remember, as a in, player in his first time getting paid, his first time on the market, dude. There were other there were other players who took deals like that, but Chauncey just thought he was better than everything, and he ended up getting a shitty deal. And it's what he's going to have to deal with. He did not have the market that he thought he was going to have. It's, it's it's on his agent, quite honestly. But don't take it out on the city. You're not going to get guaranteed money if you miss six games. Like, you're not going to get a ton of guaranteed money. No one in the league gave him that guaranteed money. So I don't think it's a bad deal by the Eagles. It's offering what he was offered by the rest of the league. It's what the league sees in him. He already had issues about culture and fitting in before this. And now he's coming in, acting like this, 
I mean, it's just not it's not a good combination. You miss six games. You have the picks. Absolutely. You produce. But if you have issues in the locker room and then you have issues of just like people trusting you and now you have health issues, it's not going to be a good deal. And he's missed games due to injury in prior years as well. So I don't blame Howie. Howie's like before I used to blame Howie, but Howie looks out for players. You know, like he tries to get guys as good a deal as possible. And especially on the market, like if 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 CJ had decided to stay, I promise you there would have been some restructuring for sure, but it would have been to help him out. How 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 he looks out for his guys. There's no question about that. I mean, you're not wrong. I just, I guess it's one of those situations where neither side is wrong. You, that was my whole thing when it all first happened. You know how he is known for taking care of his his guys in the same breath. That was why New Orleans dealt him in the first place because he wanted a deal, a long term deal. Was so it's not even that he wanted a long term deal. He just wanted to know that. He was going to have some guaranteed money heading to some of these other seasons more than what Philadelphia was willing to offer over those two seasons that they owe, well, three seasons, but two seasons that he was going to get that guaranteed money. And as a guy who he's what, 24, 25 years old, first time hitting the free agent market, you just, he wasn't a first round pick. So it's not like he was highly paid in the first place. You, he was trying to cash in. And I'll never be the one to call a player wrong for trying to cash in because you should get as much as you can while you can. Yeah, but self-awareness is important too. You have to know your market. Like you can say, I deserve this much money, but if the market is not saying that, you need to understand what, like you might understand your value as something, but if the market is telling you your value is something else, you're going to have to accept it at some point because now he's on the Lions, fine. He has a guaranteed deal for a year. They drafted his replacement in the first round. They don't yeah, have – I mean, maybe they can rather? keep both, but why do they need and, to keep them if they can have a rookie who does the same kind of things on a way cheaper deal? I mean, this a question posed to both of you. What would you guys rather be stuck at a job where you're going to get $2 million this year and $3 million next year or – and you still don't have no long-term stability because you know that they're going to cut you in the long run? Or you play at a job, you get paid more than that that you was gonna get in guaranteed money in this one year alone, and you can hit the market again next year to try There's, to cash in. I mean, of course, any logical person would go with the the second option, but I think you know, like Part said, um, over the years, how he has become known has become known for taking care of his guys. Um, like if CJ would have came back and produced, stayed healthy. I find it hard to believe that Howie wouldn't have taken care of him after either the first year of the deal and the second year of the deal. He traded for him. Yeah. And on top of that, fine, you can say the second option is better, but nothing is black and white and there's nuance in everything. You just yeah. got traded from a team for culture issues because you wanted a long-term deal and because you were disagreeable in the locker room. You punched your star wide receiver in the face, right? Like we think that shit is funny, but – it's not going to necessarily fly all the time. You know, if he punched AJ in the face, he's not going to stay here. We're keeping AJ over CJ. It's not a question. So when these types of things happen, you have to remember that you're going to be graded on a scale that you might see as unfairly, but you need to acknowledge that these are mistakes that you might've made. So I understand that, you know, maybe it's a better deal to, you know, you get the 6 million guaranteed right away, but if you can stay and you can act like a guy who's a part of the team and show the culture And, I mean, you're talking about going to a team that 
won how many games last year versus a team that just went to the Super Bowl. You can stay on the team that went to the Super Bowl versus, okay, go to a team that you can say is rebuilding, but also just lost, you know, their star wide receiver to betting issues and just had to cut multiple players. Like, you know, like one team is obviously better and you can take more money to go somewhere else or you can stay somewhere, win, and then if you play well, you can get yourself more money. It's betting on yourself versus getting the guaranteed money. I guess you can't blame the guy, but like at the end of the day, if you really believe in yourself that much and you think you're that good of a player, then I don't know why you wouldn't stay on the team that's way better, going to produce more. And like if you have a one-year deal in the Lions, what if you don't have a good year? What if you don't follow up your six interception year with six interceptions? What are you going to do? What's your market going to be? He's still going to make more money over the next two seasons than he would have made in Philadelphia over the next two seasons. Okay, but then what about that third season? Because the deal was worth 12 or 13 mil. He was never going to see that money. Well, I don't agree with you because I I genuinely think that if he had stayed for at least a year, two years, if he has played well and been a team player, he's going to get his money from Howie. Howie paid Alshon. Howie paid Alshon when he tore his rotator cuff. He paid him that summer. Like, he will take care of you if you produce for the team. And sure, he showed some kind of changes and differences, but how he still pays his guys. He's paid BG, Jason Kelsey, all these guys into old age. If you can show you're a part of this team's core and you're dedicated to winning, how we will reward you. There's no question about that. Guys have gotten rewarded for less. Um, I mean, I, like you said, that's just us speaking in hindsight because he can make the same argument that he signed that deal in Philly. He gets injured next year. And now they're talking about cutting him, and he didn't walk away with little to nothing. So it's it's a, a hit or miss thing on both sides. Yeah, I mean, I I can I can see that perspective as well. I just think like, you know, you go to a Super Bowl with a team, and you're gonna go. It all happened because he had his feelings hurt more than anything. He even said as much, and that's what I think is stupid. If you're thinking about from your emotions for these types of deals, that's stupid. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, speaking of people that are on the team, we've speaking of guys that we've lost. Of course, you can go on about guys like Jerron Hargrave, of course, them aforementioned CJGJ, CJ Edwards. What would you guys say is the biggest reason of doubt versus the biggest reason of optimism heading into this season? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think um, in terms of optimism, I don't think you have to look any further than the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Um, as long as he's healthy, um, I'm pretty optimistic on how this season is going to go. Um, you look at the way he um, he played last year, um, the impact that he had not only on the offense, but the entire roster as a whole. Um, and I feel like that's clear. Um, in terms of doubt, I think, and a lot of people have said this this offseason, but I think uh, the injury bug, um, outside of Jalen last year, there weren't really that many, like, really, I guess, big injuries. Um, we were so healthy. Yeah, and so I don't think it's it's logical to expect to have that same sort of injury luck um, two years in a row. So I think in terms of doubt, that would probably be um, my thing, just the injury bug. Yeah, I, I would agree with you completely, dude. Like, I was just going to say that I think the biggest issue – is injury because like statistically there's no way that we stay as healthy as we were last year you can have as good of a huh 
Knock on wood. Stop saying this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Knock on wood, of course. But I mean, and I don't even mean like, you know, 2018 type injuries were, or 2017 type injuries where we're like the team is decimated, which of course we won the Super Bowl, but like we lost like a ton of players. Like, I just think we'll lose at least like two players. You know, like it's just like I just have a feeling that's going to happen because we just were so healthy last year. But even besides that, I think, you know, the biggest question mark overall on the roster comes down to one position, and that's quite in that safety. Uh, you know, you have some options there, but I think if I'm looking at it, I think that's the weakest position overall because running back, we refortified. Maybe you can say guard, but that also we've drafted a guy, we have a guy who could maybe step up. So I think O line is fine. You have Jeff Stoutland too. D line, you've, you know, you you got Jalen Carter to hopefully replace Javon Hargrave. Linebacker, definitely kind of a question mark as well, but I'm more of a Nicobe Dean believer than maybe others. Safety is just where I have my question. You know, Reed is Reed is good. Terrell Edmonds is good, but they both have their question marks, and I feel like they have question marks in similar places. And that's where I just kind of, you know, worry sometimes. I feel like they're both better fits to be, you know, box type safeties and get downhill more than, you know, be over top, which is what CJ uh, excelled at. So um, I'm curious to just kind of see how we handle all of that. And, you know, if we should do, do see a trade, I know a lot of us thought um, we would trade for uh, um, Bert, right? uh, the the guy from uh, Tennessee. Uh, Kevin Byer. Byer, Byer. Where yeah. the hell called that? Where did huh? that happen at? There were some rumors. Yeah, there were some rumors during the draft, man. It was a it was a long time ago, but because he didn't get paid originally, but he just got paid, right? So that was like the big question. He just restructured. So I mean, restructure whatever. It seems like he got a deal that he was happy. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. There was like some talk about him being not happy in Tennessee um, during the draft. So I remember there were some rumors about oh, we could maybe uh, trade for him. But, you know, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I think our best bet still is probably Buddha. You know, he obviously wants to be an eagle <laughs> from every tweet. His tweet about, like, the eagles and, like, the, the goal line stand stuff was really funny. Like, he just – he wants to be an eagle so bad, bro. But um, we'll see if we can make that happen. happen. You know, save him from the clutches of Jonathan Gannon and just, you know, wasting his career and just shooting shots. Guys, I'm menace to society. <laughs> Jonathan Gannon is the menace, bro. Don't talk. Don't look at me. Jonathan Gannon menaced me for an entire two years, and every time I was like, I don't know if I like this. I don't know something about this. Well, if I had to answer, yeah, what's going? What do you think? They'd probably be one and the same thing. Their biggest flaw will probably be their biggest push, and it's. For lack of a better term, the grind. I think this team, after last year and all they went through, getting to the point, they're hungry. As you said, as famously said, Parf, they're starving. They got one where they want another. And <laughs> it's 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 easier said than done, though, because that's the reason to be op- uh, the reason to be doubtful, because it's so easy to sit here and say the Eagles should run through the NFC. And through looking at the title on paper, they definitely should have a chance to. I mean, outside of San Francisco and possibly Dallas, 
there aren't many, I don't want to say formidable opponents. There are a couple teams in the NFC that I like a, a whole lot that could probably make a little bit of noise, but I don't think they're good enough yet to mess with the, the top tier of teams. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about a team who, for lack of a better term, Super Bowl hangover. I mean, you did all that. And, I mean, you got a guy like Jason Kelsey who – he said it himself, man. When he, when, I know you said you haven't watched New Heights in a while, Par, but he said it himself when Travis told him, he was like, it's worse. Like when you lose a Super Bowl, it makes you not want to go back and win another. And he said when he heard him say it, he thought he was like, man, that's stupid. It's not true. But then he was like, afterwards, he, he completely understands what it feels, what, what, he's, what he's feeling and what he meant. Because it's like so gut wrenching. You put all that work in, and we all know the grind and the effort it takes to get to a Super Bowl in the first place. You get put all that work Absolutely. in just to fall short, and now you got to repeat that entire tiring cycle all we over feel like again. As fans, imagine being the player who put all the work in. Like, I feel like that as a fan. Like, I don't even like want to go through a whole season again. Like, we were right there and we just lost it. Like, like you said, I haven't listened to the New Heights podcast. Like. It's it like it just like affects every like morsel of your being, dude. Like you just like I but you know, to your point that it's a point for doubt and optimism. I didn't give my reason for optimism and I'm gonna copy Pierre and I'm gonna copy you. It's one guy, it's Jalen Hurts, because to me, this I was just talking to someone about this at like a work event yesterday. Like to me, Jalen Hurts, after he got benched in college, we always go back to that. But that speaks so much to his character that, you know, after you get benched, you could have transferred immediately. You know, you could have been like, this is not for me. I sucked. It was so bad. You know, I almost lost Alabama the game. Tua came in. This is Tua's school now. But that's not who Jalen Hurts was, right? He didn't even play during the season much. You know, he came in in relief. But he stayed prepared enough and stayed locked in enough as a backup, after he was a starter as a freshman, as a backup, after he lost the game, to stay in and then come in and win the game the next year, coming in, you know, for an injured Tua. Like, those types of things, the type of, you know, metal that it takes from you, the the inner toughness that it takes, that's why I don't have that many doubts, you know, because I just know as long as Jalen Hurts is around that team, he has that effect. If I could put you guys on the spot for a second, let's double back. If you guys could give me a reason for optimism, not name Jalen Hurts, because we've seen this football team. We saw the performance Jalen Hurts put on in the Super Bowl, and if you guys ask, I mean, clearly it wasn't Jalen Hurts' fault that this team doesn't have a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. He played one of the better performances uh, by a quarterback in history of that game. But even after all Jalen did, they didn't walk away victorious. So for you to say you got all this optimism because of Jalen Hurts, I mean, we had Jalen Hurts played a damn near flawless game in the first place and still didn't walk away as a champion. So it has to be something about this football team that puts them over the top to you. It's Jeff Stoutland is still around. You know, the core of this team is still there. We still have the old line, right? Where we don't have Isaac anymore, which is which definitely has its issue in not having Isaac Samalu. He was a quiet but integral part of the old line last year. But we drafted Tyler Steen and we drafted Cam Jurgens last year. So we have guys who we could hope could step in, or maybe even Dennis Kelly. Who knows? You know, like what what Jeff is cooking, you know. So these are the types of things that he's 
that Jeff Satlin is always thinking about. But even besides that, we got our coaching staff. You know, we have Nick there. We have Brian Johnson, who me, you, and Pierre, we've been higher on Brian Johnson than most people for a long time. You know, that was my – I always look at it fondly because that was my first article. You know, that's how I got involved with the Philly Blitz was writing about Brian Johnson and his connection to Florida and Jalen Hurts. And so having those types of guys – and, you know, we had issues last year with uh, Sykin running Jalen too much. You know, these are the things that we talked about, and it feels like these are things that have been addressed. Sean Desai replacing Jonathan Gannon. It feels like the issues that I had last year with the rest of the team have been kind of adjusted a little bit. Now, it's hard to win as many games as we did last year, but I trust the core that we have accumulated, you know, whether it's receivers, whether it's O-line, tight ends, even now, like tight ends look like they could be a formidable group coming coming up this year as well or running backs i mean the stable running backs we have is kind of nuts dude like if you told me two years ago that we were going to have rashad penny and deandre swift splitting carries in our backfield man like and then and then you could put kenny gainwell in there and boston scott like i mean what would y'all have said man like that's a that's a that's a crazy running back stable man so if everyone can stay healthy and you know we can play the way that i think these coaches are gonna you know, make the players play as as well as Jalen's leadership, which I know we're not supposed to talk about. I just think, uh, I think there's like a lot of reasons to be positive about it because there were there were so many positives in the game. AJ Brown played a phenomenal game. You know, he could have improved and he could have showed up more in the second half as well. But you know, these are learning points for everyone, and the team and the core is still together. I just think the chemistry is only going to get better. On top of that. We're bringing back damn near everyone on offense. Defense is a little bit different, but like on offense, it's Isaac Sumalu that we're missing. We could have Dennis Kelly, Tyler Steen, or, or Cam Jurgens play in that position. You know, we have options. And we always have Jeff Stoutland, who is one of the biggest difference makers in the league. You know, so then you have that. Then you have a then you have a quarterback coach who's not gonna just be intent on running your quarterback into the ground. And now you have a defensive coordinator who doesn't want to just bend, don't break every damn play. I think this unit could be something special, man. I just, I, I, I feel a lot. And Jalen's effect, like you said, goes to everyone. Yeah. But even looking at it without Jalen, we still got AJ Brown and Devontae Smith as our top two receivers. And we have Dallas Goddard as a, as a top tight end. I mean, like, that's like a fantasy lineup, bro. Like, that's kind of crazy, you know? Yeah, but I think if you take a just a holistic approach to it, um, you know, you look at the front office, the coaching staff, um, the roster, even just outside of Jalen, like they're among, if not the best in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. um, I know I put it in the itinerary, but we we didn't touch on it um, in terms of the ESPN's future power rankings, where the Eagles ranked number one. Um, yeah, they rank number one in roster category and front office category, and number two in drafting, number four in quarterback, and number seven in coaching. So I think when, you know, like I said, you know, you're taking a holistic approach looking at the entire organization. If you want to look at something outside of Jalen, I think just the the overall organization, like from top mm-hmm. to bottom, um, you know, the cohesion with which they ran, I think that's maybe a reason for optimism outside of Jalen. So, speaking of this ESPN Future Power Rankings, 
What's your guys' thought about this? Can you guys think of a team that would that should rival the Eagles at or near the top? And which one of those out of the the the, the ones that you named, Pierre, do you think the Eagles have the highest advantage in across the league? Oh, front office by far. It yeah. has to be front office. There's no front office like the Eagles. I think the combination that we have is the most potent next to one team, and it's the one damn team that beat us. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's the Chiefs. Like, I think the Chiefs have that. And it's not even just who you have in management, but it's about having cohesion in management, player level, and, you know, scouting level. It's something that a lot of teams lack. Like, you look at Shanahan's team, right? Like, Quell, you're a big Shanahan lover, right? Shanahan's a great coach to you. I think he's a fraud, but right. So like he's a, he's a, he's a good coach, right? X's and O's. He's a good guy, but they can't seem to agree in the front office on what kind of quarterback they want. You know, they go and trade up for a Trey Lance, but the whole time they're talking about, Oh, they might draft Mac Jones. And then they get Brock Purdy and Brock Purdy is running the system how they want. And Trey Lance is still there and they're feeling pressure to play Trey Lance. So you know, you can have two different parts that work well because the Niners still have a good scouting staff. You know, they, they were able to draft Debo. They drafted Brandon Ayuk. You know, they saw these attributes in these players and they were able to play. They drafted Brock Purdy as, you know, Mr. Irrelevant. So, you know, they're able to see these decisions, but not having that cohesion leads to these kinds of issues where the Niners start the season off losing a ton of games because there's just like, so many issues internally on who they want to be the quarterback, you know? And so I feel very fortunate that the Eagles just have this kind of cohesion. Now I also feel like the chiefs have it. And I also feel like a sleeper team who does kind of have it, who could make a difference depending on the quarterback. Y'all are going to laugh at me is the dolphins because there is, you know, because like I said, it's my dad's team. You know, I follow him a lot. Like the types of connections that McDaniels, and Tua have and McDaniels has with the GMs is very similar to what the Eagles have. Now, Jalen is a different, you know, anomaly than Tua. So that's where the big difference lies for me. But in terms of organizational commitment and being on the same page for things, I think the Dolphins are kind of up, man, because, you know, they, they have like a good, you know, uh, receiver core. They've been improving O-line. They've been improving defense. It seems like they're trying to build their team the right way from the inside out so who knows i think this it kind of uh takes me back to a quote that quell always says in terms of like the you say it all the time around when it's a draft season um with the front office the quarterback and coaching staff or the head coach being sort of kind of in lockstep uh, that you never be successful as a quarterback if you don't have basically the support of the front the the entire team from top to bottom, starting with the owner, GM, and then down to the roster, coach yeah. staff, of course. If we can get back to Philadelphia, some, if you guys had one breakout candidate on offense and defense, we can go offense first. Who do you guys have in mind? Did I hear Quez Watkins, anyone? I was about to say Quez is a joke, but Quez won't disappoint like last year as much but if we're just talking z i don't know if quest is going to be the z all year man because i think oz has a real chance of 
you know, usurping him from his uh wait, Paul. Person. Is his name is his name really that difficult to pronounce for people? Oh, is it Oladami? I don't Olamide. See, that's why I don't wanna that's why I'm just not sure. Olamide. Olamide Zacchaeus. Olamide Zacchaeus. Okay, it's Olamide. Okay, that's not bad. It's just it's a it's a long name. I got like five letters in my name. You know what I'm saying? Like my man Ola. Madden Ola's good too. Ola really helped me out. Olamide. So Olamide, you know, Philly Bull, you know, went to went to St. Joe's Prep with DeAndre, pretty awesome. But you know, he's not as fast as Quez. Quez does have that type of speed that not a lot of people have, but he has a he has a better route tree, you know, and he's a little bit more polished as a receiver, and he's more consistent as a receiver. So that is someone who you could see, you know, pop out a little bit, but I wouldn't call him necessarily a breakout player. Um. I think this is kind of a, a hard question for the Eagles because the players that you could say could be breakout players could have broken out on other teams already. You know, what they did could have been considered breaking out. I think the season Devontae had last year could be considered breaking out to a lot of people. I think it was breaking clearly out. not because the world clearly hates Devonta Smith. Exactly. People talk and about so, him and where he ranks. As, it's so weird. Receiver, it's but as it's so weird two. to me because he was so clutch and consistently good when we needed him. And so I just think with another year um, and uh, three years in the league, you know, that's the, that's the rule that we talked about with J job breakout season, of course, but you know, with somebody who's already produced in the first two years, the third year is where you get to start putting your little, you know, touches on people. And the way that Devontae plays the game, you know, he has little, you know, elements of his game that I think he's going to be able to break out to an even further extent now that the game is slowing down. And another year of AJ being there. You know, last year was AJ's here for Jalen, right? And it was just like, part of it is probably just like, oh my God, I got AJ Brown, you know? And so now that you have had AJ Brown for a year, You've had Devontae Smith for two years. I think we see even more distribution. And so, you know, it is tough to say like that, of course, because both of them had their games, you know, quote unquote, like Devontae had a certain game and AJ had a game. But I think we can see their receiving numbers get even closer after this year because I think uh, I think Devontae is just only going to improve. Yeah, um, I think for me, and this might be cheating a little bit, but um, DeAndre Swift, I think he's my breakout candidate on offense because, like, with Detroit, he he always seemed like he was on the cusp. Like, he hasn't had a 1,000-yard rushing season. He hasn't been able to really stay healthy. Um, I think, you know, behind this offensive line um, with the quarterback who has, you know, grabbing the run game like Jalen, um, you know, with all the, you know, different twicks and tricks and twists, you know, they uh can pull out of the offense – Um. I really think it's setting him up for um, a breakout season. And just having somebody to split carries with, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he he had uh, – it's – no. No, it's not Jam- – Jamison Williams is on the team. It's Jamal, Jamal Williams. Yeah. <laughs> JW, dude, there's two of them. But, um, you know, he, he had that. But I think the Eagles are also just going to be – the Eagles are very good about splitting carries in a way that, like, you can get into your groove a little bit. Like, even last year when they played the Eagles, it felt like DeAndre would start get going, and then they put Jamison in, or Jamal in, you know? And so it's just like, I think the Eagles have a good understanding of let your guy get into a little bit of rhythm. And so I, I, that, that's who I also had on my list, because I think uh, 
with this old line and with Jalen as well, he's gonna be he's gonna be running that rock, bro. Yeah, then I think just the way they've structured the backfield, like this is clearly still a committee approach, but like you have your high volume guy in DeAndre, you know, you have your power back in uh Rashad Penny, you got to change your pace guy with uh Kenny Gainwell, and then you got the you know speedy rusher, I guess, in Boston Scott. Um, it's a nice mix, I feel like. I'm curious to see how they split it up. Yeah, you know, because there's a lot of uh doubling, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of like overlapping skill sets. So mm-hmm. how they get these guys out there and make sure that each guy gets at least into a rhythm and then doesn't get disturbed out of their rhythm is also just gonna be important. It's a it's a lot to handle, but it'll be interesting. Um do you have anyone defensively? Because I'm still thinking of my defensive one. Um a name that popped into my head was Milton Williams. Um, you know, I think with uh, Jalen Carter, Fletch, and Jordan Davis, you know, getting a lion's share of uh, snaps at defensive tackle position, somebody's going to have to step up, whether that be Milton Williams or Contavious Street, um, one of those two guys, which I don't really know if it would qualify as a, like, legit breakout type of um, mm-hmm. season or whatever, but, you know, one of those two guys are going to have to step up, I feel like. Quell, do you want to give yours, or should I give my defensive one before you give both yours? Um, You can go ahead and give your defensive one, and I give them both at the same time. All right. Well, I wanted to get this out before you said yours, because we argued about him originally, way back in the day. First Philly Blitz draft live stream, and Pierre and Coach are sitting there for damn near an hour just like, Will these dudes shut up, please? Positional value, baby. We're going right back to him. Kobe Dean is my breakout player. I wanted to take him in the second, and Kua was like, no, you take Cam Jurgen. It's positional value. And I was like, no, you take Kobe Dean. I don't give a damn about positional value. But we're here. We got both. And uh, I think it's Kobe's year, man. I think uh, him, the fact that he's already being entrusted with the green dot, before the season has even started um, through the off season, it was just something that was kind of acknowledged is something that's significant to me. Um, they brought in Nicholas Morrow, you know, you have other guys who can maybe step up over time. You know, Davion Taylor, we're still holding out for him. Hope out for him. Right. Is he still, on, is he still on the squad? Yeah. I feel like we ask this every pod, bro. <laughs> is he, like, is he on the roster? Or the practice squad? <laughs> The only person who would know off the top of their head is Quell. Quell, is he on there? I think he's on the practice squad. That's that's what I thought. I was, but I wasn't sure if he can still be on the practice squad because he's at like three years now. So they don't matter. You can be on the practice squad after like. Oh, they did change it after COVID. Now. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, so because Anthony Harris was on the practice squad hell at times, I remember that. So you know, um, I, I think Nicobe's going to be that guy, that breakout player. I think he was in, in the limited reps that he got last year. We can look back at that Titans game. My man was solo tackling Derrick Henry in the hole, bro. Like, and he's like five, like five nine, bro. <laughs> like it was insane. And he comes in with, with authority and I love it, man. He was one of my favorite uh, linebacker recruit, not recruits, like uh, draft prospects during the time. And, uh, 
I only I just think he's going to be even better. And now he's got two of his team, three of his teammates from college. I almost said is, two, but that is just insane, it's nuts. Bro. It's nuts. The chemistry that comes with Debra, like to have Nolan who's on the edge, then you got Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis who are on the inside. Like either position that you, you might need to Don't forget Keely. Uh, for a well, yeah, and Keely. Well, My man over he here waving signed. from the corner, like, hey, he signed his damn. He signed his. Did he sign yet? No. Yeah, he, he signed, signed the other day. Signed? When was it? The other day, probably like one or two days ago. Oh, okay, okay. So, well, you know, side note from you know the uh, Nakobe conversation, we've talked about this on text, but I think we should talk about it on the pod. Pierre and I are about him playing safety now. Quell says that he can't tackle, but. I mean, what, what do you do with a guy like this, you know, where your defense isn't going to be one where he can just, you know, sit at corner and, and just play forward. He's going to have to play a little bit more man than he's probably good at. Someone who has as tight of hips as him. What do you do with him? You know, he's a big guy. You don't think you I can, think, you don't think you I learn think, how to tackle and put him at safety? I think that DB competition is going to be the most, like, most watched, most promising, most, Whatever you want to call it, like that comp like there how many DBs do you what's insane, do? bro, is it's for the second it's it's for second string, bro. Like yeah. the, the DB competition for second string. That's where we are. Like we have all these incredible young prospects who are playing to be the second corner, third corner, bro. Third and fourth. So so let's go through it. Who are the locks? Slay, Bradbury, Maddox. Would y'all pencil in uh greedy as a as a I, I would think Greedy and Joe probably would be, and I think you have room for one more. It's going to be for Gardner and uh, – well, 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 I, 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 no, actually, never mind. Greedy. I would assume it would be Greedy and Joe and whoever is Avante's backup probably plays safety right now. Hmm. So you put Makai at safety? So the locks, no. locks right now. I thought Makai was. I thought Makai was playing in the slot too. I thought they. I thought they had that. I mean, they practicing them there, but I don't see him making the main. Yeah, that was my thought. So then, who do you have playing safety in corner? So is that Keeley? And then you keep Keeley and uh, and Makai. But then what about what's his name? There's one more. Who's the dude from uh, Ricks? Eli Ricks. Eli Ricks. Yeah. I think. Okay, I think, and then you even you still got McPherson. But I and, think, well, uh, you know what? And, and you can't forget McPherson is going to be the Maddox and safety backup. But you can't forget yeah. we two of these guys are going to be on practice squads. So it's going to be Gardner and Ricks. We're going to be on the practice squad most likely. Yeah. No matter no matter what I assume. And uh, Mario Mario Gurus too. We just haven't heard much about him, man. We paid him the most, and like it just feels like we haven't heard as much as you would want to. You know, I remember last year. At least not like, in the not in uh, the rookie minicamp. Okay. Huh. I don't know. We have. Can you like? I can't. I can't believe that this is our life, bro. Like <laughs> we're like talking LeBron, about all these great like, 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 prospects. Like the LeBron. Like the LeBron meme. <laughs> Smiling through it all. Can't believe this is my life. <laughs> like that. It's how I'm feeling, bro. Like I'm, I'm posing like Bron, bro. I got my hand on my head. Like I got. All okay. Okay. TV so, prospects. So let's go through it. The four locks are for sure Slay, Bradbury, Maddox, Ringo? No. No, McPherson. No. McPherson, okay. Greedy. Oh, Greedy, Greedy over yeah. McPherson? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Greedy's been the first cornerback, at least so far through camp. We'll see how everything continues to progress. This could mean nothing, honestly, but Greedy's been the first cornerback off the, the on the field whenever uh, one of the two starters leave. But for slot so, as well? That's why I say what I said a he's second quick ago. Enough, he's quick enough for whoever, it. Whoever plays, I think they think the way their thought process is going, and again, I could be wrong, but that's why you bring in a guy like Sidney Brown or, again, damn, what was his name? Terrell, yeah, a guy like Terrell, who Terrell probably more safe, like pure safety than movable piece anyway. But again, that's why you bring in a guy like Terrell and still draft Sidney Brown. Where I think his uh, Maddox's potential backup plays safety currently. I think that a guy like Sidney Brown gets some reps at that position while also getting some reps at the cornerback because he probably the first one off the, on the field if, if one of those two went down. So then you think but the top two win. the top two DBs are going to be Sidney Brown and Greedy Williams? Basically, yeah, depending so, on who goes down. That's interesting, man. They've just been so high on Zach McPherson. That's why That's why. I, like, I have my questions, right? Because they played him. Personally, me personally, I don't understand the McPherson hype. Me neither. Me neither. I'm, I'm with never you. never got it. But. Yeah. More power to you if you're a McPherson truther. Yeah, I, I, I'm not personally. I agree with you. I would tend to want to keep the other guys. But from everything the team has kind of said and portrayed, they really like Zach. You know, they, like special teams also. You got to consider yeah, between him playing yeah. special teams. And I mean, yeah. what I've seen about him earlier this offseason, sounds like they had him taking some reps at the nickel as well. So exactly. That's what I was going to say. They played him outside, and they he's a better fit for the nickel more than outside, yeah. but they've played him outside oh, a ton. He played in the slot. You don't he think so? Slot at, I, think, at I mean, maybe for front. his size, probably. Uh-huh. Well, he was a, a pure right side corner on the time in college. Oh. I, saw, I saw that he played safety in nickel as well early on in college. I didn't see. I can go back and check. but I didn't, Yeah, let me know. I let me know, because I thought I had read that. Okay, because I remember when he got drafted that they were saying that he would be competition for Avante if they moved Avante to safety because we mm-hmm. had a spot at safety at that time as well, which is also something that could happen and is always a question. But, yeah, I'm really curious to see what they do DB-wise. But my gut feeling would be that they keep the top guys who can't – never mind. No, my gut feeling is wrong because you can put anybody on my practice squad. I think they find a way to keep everyone damn near. Man, like, they haven't had a stable like this in quite some time, you know, so. It's just a mix of young and old, bro. It's so like, like. There's going to be a lot of great learning going on, and that's what just gets me so excited because Slay and Bradbury got a year left. Especially like a guy like Greedy Williams who has all the tools. I was about, I mean, dude, Makai Gardner too, and Eli Riggs, these are two. And Josh Joe, bro, like Josh Joe, that that was my guy last year. I was saying, like, I can't believe we were able to get him as a UDFA because I wanted to draft him in the fifth, bro. Like, I because they they signed Bradbury. He signed a one year or three year extension. Was it one year? Was it one year? No, I think it is a longer term deal. It was longer, okay. Extension. I think it is three years. Three, okay. But, yeah, I'm not. I'm. Yeah, I should. I should double check that. But so the slate. Slay's deal was one of them was one year. Slay's got like a year. Yeah, Yeah. Slay's. I mean, he's thirty-two. Yeah. Right. So I mean, just logically, 
you don't want to lock yourself into a 32-year-old corner for three years. You know, Bradbury just turned 30. You know, he was 29 last year. So, okay, you can keep him until 32, maybe 33 season. Um, and so in those types of situations, I do understand maybe getting out of the contract earlier. But that's why I think it's different for someone like CJ, who's on his first contract. And that's why I think how he would take care of him, because he's someone he would want in the building for the next decade or so, if he can portray himself the correct way. But regardless... Um, yeah, I think we're going to need a replacement for Slay next year. But the great thing about Slay is that he's always willing to coach up younger players and, you know, help them out. So I just think the DBs like that we have right now, man, like we are kind of set the next couple of years. We have good things going. Um, we talked about – Quad, did you give yours? No, you didn't no, give yours. No, so I didn't. And I actually have your answer. He did have a little time there that he played what was known as the spur role during his time at Texas Tech, which is probably okay. like compared to something like the Bandit, it's probably known more as a, a run support guy, send on blitzes, things of that nature. When you run like a fourth, more safety like than yeah, safety linebacker hybrid. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. But, um, if I had to give my two, it's crazy because you said Nakobe, and it's kind of funny how full circle things come. While I do think if we had a re, re, uh, rewind time, I would have still said the same decision. <laughs> I think it's crazy how if you ask me this year, which one would be a more productive football player for the Eagles uh, Eagles team this year? I'd say Nicobe because my player to watch on offense is going to be Tyler Steen. Really? I believe Tyler Steen was brought in to be the guard. He played starter, primarily. Starter rookie year, first game. Starter rookie year, first game. I personally, and yeah, there's been word of them cross-training Jer- Jergens. I personally believe, and I had this conversation also with Jimmy yeah. Kinski when I had him on. Where... Also, also, excellent episode. Check that out. 32 and 32. Check really, that out. Dude, I mean, really insightful. Like, hold up, man. This man got Jimmy Kemsky on the pod, bro. Like, on the solo pod, Quell's been going off. Like, we keep saying it, but if you have not been listening to the 30 for 32 for 32 – Make sure you're tapping in. Well, been putting in work, and it's worth your time. Appreciate you, fellas, man. But as I said, with Jimmy, the Eagles have had a history, even dating back to a guy like Isaac Samalu, of drafting Jason Kelsey's replacement and playing him at other positions, and they've basically been stuck there. I think Cam Jurgens is where the line gets drawn at, which is probably why Jeff Stalin was so hell-bent on bringing in a guy like Tyler Steen, because he doesn't want to. If he had to play Cam there, he he wants him to be prepared, but I don't think they honestly want to play Cam there. And I think makes a, a guy like Tyler, coming from a place like Alabama, while Alabama's offensive line this year wasn't as highly touted as they were in most years, he's still a high-quality offensive lineman. And I see – just, ha- again, having the opportunity, the same we said about all those Georgia players and the different positions they're playing, it's no different for Tyler. Having the opportunity – to play next to right, right in between Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson is nothing but miraculous for him. And he even to another thing, he gets to play Jeff Stoutland. Exactly. I mean, so it, it's so much wisdom for him to learn in that room and even seeing, being able to see guys like, and I do think that they, they have an emphasis on, I mean, how he always speaks and wanting to build through the trenches, but they have an emphasis of wanting to, keep the defense, I mean, the offensive line as 
high profile as it's been. I mean, I like to think Landon Dickerson is on his way to being one of the better guards in the league. We'll see how Cam turns out, but they they put emphasis on one to have a high quality offensive line. Now on the defensive side of the ball, again sticking into the trenches. Wow, who was it? You Park that said Milton Williams? No, oh. it was Pierre. Oh yeah, wow. You said Milton Williams, Pierre. My guess would be Jordan Davis, man. I think okay. it's time for that first round pick. And again, as we said a lot last year, that things that Jordan Davis are going to be so successful at for this football team are going to be things that aren't seen on a stat sheet. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, what I was, that's what I was about to say. Like, I don't really know if you can uh, define that as a, as, a, as a breakout season. Like, what he does, it isn't really quantifiable. Like, I mean, for yeah. me, when I hear breakout, I think more like like stat sheet stuff or like like huge statistical season. That's what I think when I hear breakout. I mean, well, if I could push back for some there, I mean, that's why I appreciate grades like what PFF has to offer. Because when you think stat sheet, you think pretty positions, quarterback, mm-hmm. wide receiver, things of that nature. Versus when you start talking about some of these offensive and defensive linemen and you start to see how productive they were, like if, I can't wait to see exactly what his score will be, what his what his grade will be on single uh, being we was single blocked on the season. How many different double teams he's able to draw, and we still speak on guys like Jalen Carter, and especially it's big for Jalen uh, Jordan Davis to have to take that step, losing the guy like Javon Hargrave because the Eagles need an it factor guy in the middle of that defense. I like to think that they lost that guy when they lost Hargrave, so one of those guys have to step up. We think it could be Jalen Carter in the future, but they need one right now. I don't think it's going to take the future, man. I feel like Jalen Carter is—he's going to have that impact from day one, bro. Hey, man, he's—he's he's like, and I feel like I feel like um, with the the whole legal situation, like how good he is, is truly gotten lost. Like this is a dominant football player. I think it's somewhere in the middle because I think he's dominant, but with damn near. Every D lineman who's come to the league, man, there's always an adjustment period because yeah. unless you're Aaron Donald, yeah, unless you're Aaron Donald, right? And Jalen Carter has that type of ceiling, but it's just like, but even then, it, I'm, I'm sure if we look back at Aaron Donald's first couple games, I mean, we're talking four or five games, right? So when you're talking about someone's career, it's very insignificant. But your rookie season, there's definitely going to be growing pains of some sort. You know, there are moves that you use throughout college that won't work as consistently now. And so it's an adjustment period and it's not because you're not better than them or stronger or whatever it might be, but it's just finding your bag and finding what's going to work at the next level. And so but that's why I feel like that's why having a guy like Fletcher, much like with the DB room and them having Slay and Bradbury, having a guy like Fletcher, who's, you know, been to the top of the mountain, he's been around for a minute, having some guy, a guy like that to lean on. So let me ask you, cause like, I mean, I, I agree with you, but like, what are your expectations rookie year for like Jalen Carter? Um, I don't want to put be numbers really up. good, but, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, I mean, especially given what I've seen on tape from him from college, I would like, I don't want to say people should temper their expectations because I do think he's going to perform like the best defensive player in the draft. At the same time, I've seen reps where he basically got stonewalled by Darnell Wright from Tennessee, who which make, brings me a question. How do you perform against guys with 
very firm basis. I feel like he should dominate guards, but he also gets moved across the line a lot. And when you plan, let's say, all right, across what would Philly like to run, what they would call the, the I believe it's two ads where you write in between the guard and the tackle, like right in between their shoulders. I mean, you're going to have to, you're going to run into some offensive linemen where they're not, I mean, where offensive tackles where it's not going to be that sweet, especially playing against some of these guys in the NFL level. Now, again, like you said, the transition period shouldn't be too long, but I don't think he's going to come in and just be some third team all pro. But I think a lot of it is also going to be dependent upon um, his usage. Like, I feel like within the first, I'll say, three three or four weeks of the season, when we really get a good idea for how uh, Sean Desai is going to call the defense, um, you know, how it's going to look from a structural standpoint, I feel like we'll be better equipped to formulate our opinions. Yeah, man, that's really what it all comes down to. We, we having all this conversation, but it's going to come down to how Sean Desai decides Call the defense what the defense will look like from a, a Sean Desai perspective. It's going to look better than anything you've ever seen in your entire freaking life. Anything. It's going to be the Chip Kelly of what you of what Quell thinks Chip Kelly is of defenses. All right? John in the game, you're going to forget the white man. All right? <laughs> be about the Indian man. All right? Trust in my man. All right? Same state in India. Same everything, bro. We got the same favorite foods. I'm sure, you know, like – we're brothers, you know what I'm saying? Like, clearly celebrates Wubba Lubba Dub Dub. Yeah, Wubba Lubba Dub Dub, motherfucker. Sorry, bro. See, I'm on two podcasts now, right? I do a comic book podcast and I do this one. Comic book podcast with like Carlos, right? And like, and Brad, I can curse on it, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I adjust every podcast. So now I feel bad because, you know, here we're supposed to keep it a little bit G, but Sean Desai is him, man. Are you guys, you guys are really from the same state in India? Oh, yeah. West, wow, the westernmost state in India, bro, it's called Gujarat. I speak Gujarati. Like, my grandparents are downstairs right now. If I want to talk to them, I have to talk to them in Gujarati. And Desai is a last name from that part of India. So, oh, wow. like, I can't tell you how fired up I am, bro. Like, these parts of my life never coincide, bro. My <laughs> Indian side and my football side, they, they could not say more different. And now I got this, like, combination. I'm going nuts, dude. Like, I don't know how I'm going to act. I need to decide jersey, bro. I'm probably going to get the collared shirt. You know what I'm saying? Maybe get the little monogram. Make it look. <laughs> People are going to think Wait, I'm him if I go like, the parking lot, bro. I'm like, are you Sean Desai? Like, my bad. But I'm excited, man. I, I really cannot tell you how excited I am and how good he's going to be, bro. I have all my faith in him. And if he lets me down, I'm going to quit podcasting forever. So, you know. Parthas, Parthas winning. You got the Indian defensive coordinator and a Gator offensive coordinator. I, I like, bro. I've, I told him a long time. I can't time tell ago, you how Parth, much my agenda this, for this winning. Era Eagles football is on your head, brother. If it goes Dude, wrong, it's, and you know what the sad thing we're is, we're blaming you. It'll and it, but regardless, it'll never get better than now. It it will never get better than now because we were on Jalen like we were like Jalen Hurts is going to be a good quarterback from the beginning. Hey, pause. I know. I, I, I as I said it, I tried to readjust as soon as I said it. I didn't want to say pause, but I was like, try to readjust it, but it didn't work. All right, you know what I'm saying? But between you being on Jalen and Pierre with the sunny D, man, y'all wrecked the day. <laughs> 
I didn't even say the sunny deal loud. He put the he put the chat out there. Pierre was uh, enjoying himself a orange flavored beverage, and I asked <laughs> how much he was enjoying the beverage. I'll let y'all fill in the blanks if you can fill it in. But um, oh, Pierre, enjoyed, Pierre enjoyed the beverage, but go birds. <laughs> like, I think that's just what you can say. I don't have anything else to say, but no, this I will be way better than Jonathan Gannon. Um, enjoy the desert, Jonathan. I hate you. We're a little over yeah. an hour into the pod. <laughs> um, before we get out of here, anything on that basketball team no. from Camden? Anything at all? Oh, man. The fact that you said from Camden, like, it's just – I don't know where we've gone, man. What has happened? Hold out, Harden. I dare you. It's time to a deal. He's 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 like because of the new CBA. Shout out CJ McCollum, okay, Lehigh Valley alum, Lehigh alum. But like, dude, if he holds out, like his whole contract, like yeah, he can't play. It's it's done. So even next year, he won't be able to play. Well, now, bro, act, act like a little baby, bro. Like, act like a little baby. I mean, that that's your boy, that's right? Like, I mean, CJ, that's hey, God, bro, like him and little baby are washed. Gross. Hey. I'm done. <laughs> Get hard now, my city, bro. I, another jersey oh, the, I have in my closet. I'm sick. The, the entire aura around that franchise is just uh, a stigma of unseriousness. That's the best way I can put it. No, you're from, right. Everything you, said gym, about Joe, everything you said about Joe is completely accurate. But the way I see it, it's just like, dude, this guy has been part of the organization through the most ridiculous of times dog through tanking through your freaking you know like front office members having burners and talking about you like at this point if you don't joke around about shit like i don't think he would still be in the league man like it like it's it's such a mess man like it's just it's so bad it's funny at this point you know it's 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 even bigger than that man like when you take all that into consideration and then take into consideration, he played in Philadelphia, man. We just sat here and bashed Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for 40 minutes because of how he responded. You got to be able to have to take someone on the chin and throw some, throw some back when you're in this city. And I'm mean, like how I explained it is we just, just think about it like the, uh, with the Nick Castillo situation where <laughs> – he missed the fly ball, and it's boo, and it's fuck. You hate this city. I can't wait to leave. And then it's you know I was lying. I love you guys. I want to be here. I we mean, just like, want the best. It, it happens. We want the best out of them. And like it, the, the the thing that I acknowledge is if we're gonna be extremely emotional with them, like if I'm gonna say that, as long as you're loyal to the city, and like Joel has proved that he is loyal to a like to to no point. You know, a lot of guys would have requested trades you know through the process and all the type of type of shit that we just kind of had going on he could have requested a trade a lot of times and you know he had his flaws he was injured as well but like this dude rocked with us i'm gonna rock with him you know what i'm saying like he did his thing he's like you gotta make jokes bro we are a joke like bro we talk about this podcast we're the cowboys I just feel like the entire stigma around the the culture around the 76ers organization is just completely flawed. Like, from the day of the process, like, I really feel like it's created 
an aura around the front. Like, like if you really think about it, when's the last time the 76ers have been like a normal, regular, regularly run NBA franchise? There's legitimately always something. There's so I got, always I got, I got two questions. So I, I got a question from this, right? Like regularly run is different from competent, right? Because I would say the last time oh, yeah, competent as a team yeah. was with Jimmy. Yeah. Because he he balanced that aspect. But even but team. even then, even then you still got the reports of the um what was it, the the practice what was it practice conversation between him and Brett or different things like that. Like there's always something yeah. surrounding this no. team. So, so let me ask you as well, follow-up question. Like, we were only able to get Joel through this, right? And we obviously shit the bed on every other pick. I mean, we're taking Markel, Ben, uh, Jaleel Okafor, Nerlens Noel. Like, everyone possible that we didn't need to take, we took him, basically. And, and, and okay, fine. So when you see a team like OKC, right, they've kind of done this – tanking kind of thing you know they've accumulated some good kind of picks some good prospects well they have like 32 picks over the next seven drafts so so of course right but they're going to trade some of those for sure right so how do you what what do you tell this kind of franchise so that they don't end up like the sixers like because i i get what you're saying right like this culture of losing constantly to get more picks it can't be good for you know the mindset of a team and how you do things how do you like switch these players out of that, right? Like I think it's as simple it's as simple as let the person who who what's the right terminology? Who orchestrated all of this, let them see their vision through. And I think we failed with that when they fired Hanky. Yeah, I agree. They didn't let him see the entire vision through. And you bring in a guy like Colangelo who, like you guys mentioned, the burner accounts. Then you bring in the Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey, and it's just things have never been competent. Like that's the only word I keep coming back to. No, you're totally right, man. Like I mean, everyone still talks about it. Like we just know, like what would have happened if we let Hinky kind of stay. But I I also wonder how much of it is rosy hindsight, right? Because I just I watched a documentary, a YouTube documentary about the Sixers. I I forgot to send it to y'all. I meant to send it, but. We look back at, at Hinky like, oh, Hinky died for our sins, and like, you know, we want. See, Hinky. I don't even, I don't even think that. It's just like I said, it's just as simple as the guy had a plan. But see, but his plan was kind of tripping sometimes too. You know, like a lot of these, we drafted three centers because of Hinky as well. You know, like he was involved in most. I mean, of those. to his defense, though, between Joel and and Jaleel, those are supposed to be the two best prospects in their class. So you had to get a hit. He believes in taking the best player available, and he did. He hit on Joel. And even yeah. if you want to talk about, but you Nerlens have Noel, four like, or five Nerlens misses Noel. after that, right? Like from trying to do that kind of like. So, so I agree with taking BPA, right? Like I think it is a good draft philosophy, but at one point you also have to think about fit, right? Like, like yeah. things, like it has to. There has really to be nuance in these things. You can't be fully like. BPA, 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 because you know, with the way sports trend, the best players depend on the generation, right? Uh, there's going to be a generation of great guards. We went through that in the 2000, early 2000s, because they all watched uh, MJ when they grew up, right? 
And so we had this whole generation of guards that were killers, right? And now we have new guard. We have a new generation. We also have way more forwards because they watched LeBron play. So it's just like. So these- if I could ask, play devil's advocate, and you talk about fit. Let's say if we could rewrite history in the Sixers, even though it was probably the best idea to take Markel, nobody foresee what was going to happen. If the Sixers took Tatum, and you just had that conversation about fit, do we even really think that a team with Joel and B, especially given the coaches that we've had and how the offense has been standing around and watch Joel play, it's only one basketball. Do you even think that fit would have been competent? With Brett, maybe, man. Like Brett made Joe Brett made Joe and Ben work. And Ben needed he's been he was the only coach that made it work. Like he needed the ball in his hands and he was able to make it work. I don't know how. I don't know what Brett was cooking. I miss Brett, but like he was able to make something happen. I like Jason Tatum in that draft. Was, you know what did, what did, what did, I didn't what watch Brett? basketball, but I was like, I watched his highlights and I was like, this dude is cold. Like I just watched him shoot the ball and I was like I like the way this dude plays basketball. I think the Eagles. I think the Sixers should draft him. Then I hear that they only traded it because they were going to take Tatum after, and then we were going to take Fultz. So I talked myself into Fultz, but man, I mean, he was I just wish he didn't get on that goddamn dirt bike, bro. Like you ruined everything. Like, I don't dog. know about y'all. Like I look at Markel Fultz, kind of similar to how people like to talk about Reggie Bush. Like Reggie Bush had a really? NFL career. I ain't hey, I ain't watching enough like Bush had a conference like, at that point. I don't But when you think Reggie Bush, you think Reggie Bush at USC, legendary. Yeah. That was Markel. When you think Markel Fultz at Washington, you think nothing but straight hoop, or easily the best player in the country. Then when you think about the draft class and things like that, it's like, dang man, what happened? It's, it's sad. Funny. It's sad, bro. Like, it's, an, it's a it's an aura, an aura of sadness and unseriousness. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I just I desperately hope you're wrong, bro, because I want Joel to win. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, so bad. Like so I bad. like I feel I feel so much of a connection to him because of like what he's like he's just sat through it in the city, you know, and he's like like he came from he's Africa. grown up in front of our eyes. Like, bro, like he went to school for a couple years in Florida and Kansas. But this was his first home after Africa, and he made it his home. And, like, you just – you want this guy to win so bad. And it's just, like – but it's also him, you know? Like, I need – but he also needs support. So it's just, like – it's a whole chicken and the egg type of discussion about does he get the support or is he doing too much? And, like – and it's just, like, it's so shitty, man. I just – I'm excited for Nick Nurse at least. I think that's where I've come come down to. Look, Quell, all I can say, PRU too, man. I know y'all gave up on him, and last year was painful. But at this point, we got a couple years of Joe, right? I'm not gonna blame him if he asks for a trade because we just had a we tried to end the con- we tried to end the pod, but we had a 15 minute conversation about how shitty the Sixers have been, you know, as an organization. So if he asks for a trade out, I can't be mad. But we got a couple years left, and now we got a coach who's willing to try to just experiment on shit i don't know if y'all have seen the shade that younger players have been throwing springer maxi to doc but that's the only reason i'm excited because if we had doc again i'd be checked out i'd I'd be done i couldn't do it but at least we're experimenting and we'll see what works my hope my hope personally i hope we see b-ball paul at the four this year 
if Siakam was successful under Nurse at the four, Bebop Paul can do a lot of the same kind of things. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I hope we just see something that's exciting. You know, I want to have fun watching basketball. And I think we could get that with Nurse. I think we lost that with Doc. Listen, whether it's in Philadelphia or somewhere else, I'm not watching basketball. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I was waiting for it, bro. He wasn't going to watch until like, he wasn't going to, what was it this year? And he wasn't going to watch until June this year. And no, it was February. You watch after All-Star break. Now I might not watch till April this year. Yeah, All-Star break. <laughs> Oh man, I remember, dude. I was watching the episodes, and I would let, or not the episodes, the games, and I would let y'all know what was happening. Like, I'm not acknowledging this team. I don't care about it until the All Star break. And I was like, no, no, no. It's a different year. Yeah, I look like a dumbass. Shout out Doc, bro, for just making me look ignorant year after year. Thank you. Hey, no. don't talk about him <laughs> making you look ignorant. You wouldn't tell Pop that he makes you look ignorant. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that quote when he said it. I was like, did you did, did you just compare yourself to Doc? You dare? You dare evoke the name of Greg Popovich? Y'all y'all got y'all got three letter nicknames. But y'all are not the same, bro. Doc and Doc Pop are very different. <laughs> Come on, bro. Like, be realistic. Can we? Can we? Can we just? Doc, you're a good guy. You know, like, as a man, you're a good dude. As a coach, you are god awful garbage. Frog watch. <laughs> but um, I think that's gonna do it for this episode. Be sure to, uh, on whichever podcast streaming platform you're listening on, leave us a like and a review. And um, I'm going to try to get another episode up next week. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go Birds. Go Birds. Go Birds.